do we fight with the ones we love? Why do we fight with the ones we love? Yes, sir. That's a good question. That's a great question to answer. Why do we fight with the ones we love? I don't know. I guess because we don't know no better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. We don't know no better. You don't know why? Um, tension, I guess. Around the people that you, you do love, uh, it, the, the worst qualities, I feel like, tend to come out. Uh, I guess they have to come out sometime. We fight with the ones we love because we know them best and because you can't fight with other people. Because they have the most control over our emotions. Different points of view. So it hurts us more when they, they hurt us. For his glory, he takes the humblest people, those that the world says you're nothing, you're nobody, you're a loser. He raises them up, as the scripture says, to do or, or, extraordinary things. And that's why I'm here. Uh, I'm not an extraordinary person, I'm just a, uh, a simple person. But I thank you for allowing me to be up here sharing God's word with you today. Uh, I have some really big, fast announcements. Um, first announcements. Connection groups. I'm really excited about that. This week starts our eight-week cycle of connection groups. They're out there on a welcome table. You can look at them. You know, join one. We'd love everyone to join a connection group because, after all, it's not just Sunday that matters. It's during the week. Uh, a church family, and we're a new church family here. We have a second church family in New Brunswick at Rutgers University, which is, goes on at 12 noon. But the point is, is we want to get to know each other. We want to reach others for Jesus out there. It's all about being out there. And then during the week for support. We, who needs a friend, right? We all need yeah. friends, Man. right? We all need a friend. And so that's uh, basically what connect groups are about. And so that you can sign up down there. And then we believe in doing community service. So at the end of the month, we're going to be going, Oasis Church as a team, we're going to be going to the food bank over in Hillside. And if you want to volunteer, there's a sign-up sheet in back. Jonathan, uh, where's Jonathan? He's here somewhere. There he is. He's our community outreach coordinator. Every month, we're going to be doing something, something to reach people, to help people out there. We don't want to keep all this good stuff to ourselves, right? We want to share it, and that's really basically uh, what it's all about. So I'm really excited. We're starting our... Uh, fifth, I can't believe it's already been five weeks, our fifth week of street-level Christianity. What this is really about, guys, is Pastor James. Now, James was the brother of Jesus, and he wrote a, a letter to all the Christians, all the Jewish Christians who were scattered all over the world. They were going under persecution. They were all over the place, and things started getting hairy among those people. Not only was there... Um, opposition from people who wanted to kill them, like the Romans and so forth, but they started to have opposition in the church. Oh, my mic is not on. Okay, I'm going to turn my mic on. You want to fight about it? <laughs> you know that song that was on that video? Why can't, whoa, okay. We can hear you now, most definitely. You know that song, um, Why Can't We Be Friends? Yeah. Can you sing it with me? Come on. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Okay, stop it, stop it. Make you want to be enemies. <laughs> but um, so we're starting this uh, chapter here, chapter four. What's going on here? All throughout the last four weeks, James tried to teach us how to undergo trials, how to undergo temptation, how to balance this thing called faith and works. How does that actually work? 
And now, we're going to be talking about how to deal with conflict in our lives. There's going to be conflict in our lives. We all have conflict. Do we not? Think of that person right now that you're having conflict with, right now. And we all have this kind of conflict. So James is going to be talking about how to deal. There's a godly way of dealing with conflict, and there's an ungodly way of dealing with conflict. There's a, uh, a proud way of dealing with conflict, and then there's a humble way of dealing with conflict. And so we're going to get into James chapter uh, 4, verse, uh, verses 1 to 10. Why don't we bow our heads and thank the Lord. Father God, I just thank you so much for your love, Lord. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Father, that uh, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, you love us, you desire us, you desire relationship with us. You died on the cross for, for our sins, for each individual person. You died for them. And that's why we're celebrating community service today. Lord, we just thank you for all these amazing, amazing things. And we give you the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Just as I said glory, I had Trump uh, and uh, our North Korean leader come on the screen. You know, you would expect people in the world to be in opposition to each other, right? You would expect a war going on there, out in the world. But James is actually talking about not, he's not talking about the um, out in the world. He's actually talking about inside the church. He's writing to Christians here. He's writing to people who claim to believe in Jesus. Notice what it says here. It says, what causes quarrels and arguments among you? That word quarrels there is really interesting. In fights, it's the word in Greek, polemics. You ever heard the word polemics? So we have like the left side, left wing, people going against each other from the right wing. It's polemics in our society. What James is saying is there's there's a war going on. It's not just it's not just out there. It's actually among church people. I mean, who, who doesn't like a good church fight sometimes, <laughs> right? I actually, be in all seriousness, actually um, went to a church, and I think I was telling someone last week, and there's they're always fighting, they're backbiting, they were like gossiping, they were like you know downing other people and so forth, and. I, I really got to the point where I, I left the church. This is 2006, guys. In 2006, I said, if this is Christianity, I'm not a Christian. Because I can't deal with this. It was like turning my stomach up to be involved in conflicts and fights among people you love. You're supposed to love people, and you're fighting with one another. This is exactly what James is talking about. And then we can make it a microcosm of what's going on in our own, in our own hearts, uh, in our own lives. I, you know, I, I worked in family court as a mediator for many years, and I would see couples who once loved each other. They love, oh, I love you, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And then they're in family court trying to take each other to the cleaners. I would ask, who, who's at fault here? They would both point the fingers. He did it. No, she did it. No, he did it. No, she did it. It would make me dizzy. And even in our own lives growing up, I mean, I have a grandfather who's now in heaven. His own father, didn't, his own uh, son, didn't speak to him for 40 years. And many of us have the pain of broken relationships. We have the pain of fights that happen in our own families where there's, you know those reunions, those awkward reunions you go to? Maybe it's a wedding or, or God forbid, a funeral and you don't talk to anyone but you have to go to those. And that awkward thing, and I went to a wedding, and my grandfather was there. I used to call him Grandpa. He's from Italy. Uh, he was from uh, Naples. 
and his own son walked by and my grandfather put his hand out and my uh, uncle passed right by as if he wasn't even there. The pain that goes on. Many of us have experienced pain in our own lives, even from broke, we may be the product of a broken home, where you've seen mom and dad fight, you've seen that, that, that struggle going on in a home that's supposed to have love. My, as I always like to say, my, my first memory of Christmas is a broken Christmas tree because my mom and dad would argue every holiday. They would argue about something silly that turned into something crazy. Isn't it amazing that you take one little thing and go on and on? Right now, you're probably thinking about the different conflicts in your life. Maybe you know a person, maybe someone at the office, maybe it's uh, someone in your own family, God forbid. James here, or maybe hopefully not someone in this church right now. <laughs> maybe it's me. <laughs> I hope not. So, but James is saying, what causes? He's asking this question, and what he's going to do is he's going to answer the question, he's going to address the causes, and then he's going to address how God feels about it, about our arguing. And then he's going to, feel, he's going to address the, uh, the uh, solution to that. So that's basically these 10 verses here. And it's interesting. So look at that verse. It says, what causes quarrels and arguments? And he gives a very surprising answer. Because usually you want to say, well, that person did this. And we're not belittling the fact that some of us have been real victims. That, we're not talking about that necessarily. But in all of our lives, this general statement, James is saying most of these quarrels and arguments come from a civil war going on within ourselves. It's actually going on in ourselves. It's, it's not out there. It's, it's the symptoms are out there, but the cause, he's saying, is the passions that are at war within us. That word passions there is a very interesting word. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, you should underline that word. In the King James Version, it will say pleasures, but actually it's the Greek word where we get the word hedonism from. It means generally referred to, it's like, just, it's on the screen behind me, but generally it's, it's like, I want what I want when I want for my own pleasure, and no one is getting in the way of me having that thing. And no matter what it does, no matter what people I have to run over, no matter what thing I have to do, I'm going to make this, and not only that, it becomes an end in itself over time. And James is saying this, Friends, this is the, the cause of all the wars you see out there, outside all the wars in your own family, all the wars in the church. It comes from this, this thing that wars within us. Remember, I don't know if you remember, but I'm bringing back my horns. Remember these horns I had? <laughs> remember that? In Romans chapter 6, when we were going through the book of Romans, we said, well, just, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, but there's still, you have the, you know, God's nature. You have the Holy Spirit of God who's reformed you. You were, we were nothing. We were in shame. We were in pain. We were sinful. We, we, were, we, were, we were on our way, a highway to hell. We had nothing. And the Holy Spirit comes in our hearts and renews us. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're new creations. However, there's still that old nature that is still there. Although you're free from the penalty of sin, you're, you, you, have, you have the ability to defeat the power of sin, but there's still a struggle going on in our hearts. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to, how to, how to handle this. And I, I have an example here of Malamars. Now, this is my example here. You can make this anything you want. 
You could make this sex. You could make this uh, your job, your career. You could make this a person. You could make this yourself, even. That's basically what James is saying. And yesterday, I shouldn't be eating these. <laughs> and uh, you can't just have one of these things. And I remember I was yesterday going through this message, and I go, man, I'm, I'm stuffing my face with these things. You know what? I'm not going to have another one. And then the struggle happens inside my being. It's like, I craved this thing. Like, I had this desire. I just craved just one more, I said to myself. Just one more. One more. And I promise to myself, I'm going to put this away. No, I'm going to throw it away and never have it anymore. Of course, I held on to the box. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't stop. And the struggle ensued. And I went, I want it. And I picked it up. No, no, I don't want it. I want to do the right thing. I want it. No, I don't want it. And basically, this is what James is saying. We have a struggle going on in our lives. And it's a, a thing that could, it, it really is an addiction cycle. We're all, we're all addicts to what we call sin. Everyone in this room is a sinner. But the amazing news is we have Jesus who, who died for our sins. That's what we're going to celebrate today. He, he forgave us for us. He gave us the Holy Spirit in us to do battle with this. And so I don't have to do this. But that's the struggle. That's what causes in all relationships uh, the, the problems. I want my way. And even Burger King, they understand this. Burger King, they had a saying, have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way. Recently, uh, they changed that to be your way. No matter what you want to be, you be. You be. It's all about you, baby. It's all about number one. See, they tie into the human nature. They understand exactly what James is talking about. And all of us struggle through this. All of us have this, this crazy craving in our hearts to, to, uh, to go and do the wrong thing, to be in control, to have it our way. And when you talk about relationships, that's exactly what happens. And James is saying that the root cause of all of this stuff is our... our, our consumption with self-gratification. We have to be satisfied. It's all about us. It comes down to relationships. I have, you know, I've seen so much pain in a relationship where, as I said with family court, I had my, the, the kids, I have to interview the kids, and, and they talk about their hearts are broken because, because one or both parties wanted this in their relationship. They didn't want to share this. They didn't want to be in a relationship of love and submission and sharing. So what happened is uh, they ended up arguing and fighting. And the kids, as you know, in any relationship, the kids take the, the brunt of it. Many of us have been abused in relationships because one person wanted this, and they didn't really care about you. They wanted this. But they act like they care about you, but they really cared about this. And it was all about this. And after a while, they just threw you away because after all, it's all about me, right? It's not about, it wasn't about a we or a him. It was about me. And that's what James is saying. Now, just so you know, guys, if you're new to the series, we're going to hit it hard because Pastor James, that's why we call it street-level Christianity. Pastor James is the real deal. Pastor James is not going to sugarcoat things for us. Pastor James is going to call a sin a sin. And he's, gonna, he's in love. It's all in love because he has a heart for, for, for all of us. And God has a heart for all of us. So 
In God's word, sometimes God's word is tough. Sometimes God's word uh, may want to rattle us. And you may feel like, well, what if, I'm not like this. Well, well, the Bible says you are like this. Uh, and, and so we're faithfully just, you know, giving this message for what James uh, is saying. But his heart is full of love. But he gives the real deal on a street level. He just comes right out and says, hey, guys, it's all about self-gratification. And if you go on to verse 2, he says this. He says, you desire to have. You're not getting this, but you desire to have. Right? And, and because you don't have, you murder. Now, this is like, could be physical murder. Sometimes people kill for money, right? You see it all the time. Sometimes people are so selfish. Did you guys read the patch? I read patch.com. In the news yesterday, a father, a father left his two-year-old son to die in the street. Can anybody read that with me? It's horrible. He left his two-year-old son to die in the street because he was into this, which was shoplifting, and that consumed his whole life. And he didn't want to be caught because, after all, it's all about him. So he left his two-year-old son to die. And, 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 and all in our own lives, we, you know, God doesn't want us to live this way. He wants us to pour out our own lives for others, and, and it's all about that. And I think in my own life, all the heartache I've been through, all the situations I've been with in my own, with my own parents and so forth, it all had to do with this. And, and, and not just, you know, usually when you see a relationship, you know, they'll say, like I said, well, he did it or she did it. Usually the blame is somewhere in the middle, right? It might even be 90-10. But what James is saying, for that 10% that you're to blame, take ownership of it. Acknowledge it that it's about that, and move on. Acknowledge that that's exactly um, what can bring healing. Once we acknowledge that this is the problem, so we covet, we can't obtain. So you can't obtain this because you don't have it. I have it, and so we fight and quarrel over it. And I'm using this as a silly example, but you can see this all and over life. Some people want to be um, the leader. Well, there's only one leader. Some people, why do I have? Why am I not married at the age of 30? And I want that. And so you covet that because you don't have that. Other people are looking for um, a job. Well, why does he have that? Why does he have that? Why does he get better grades than me? Why is he smarter than me? Why are they richer than me? And then it's that keep going with the Joneses thing that goes on. And over and over and over, it goes on in this relationship. It happens. And I see relationships end horribly. Best of friends are no longer speaking because of it. And what James is saying then is, uh, then he says, well, some of us may even ask God, but he says you're asking with the wrong uh, uh, reasons because, uh, first off, you don't ask, and when you do ask, he says, he says, you ask with the wrong motives because you want to spend everything uh, on yourself, on your passions. That's that word pleasure, hedonism, which means uh, hedonism, and it means pleasure or passions. You want to spend it all on this, whatever this is. And this is what James is saying. So he's setting this up. He presents the question. He tells us the cause of all the issues. You know, North Korea and us, and then the microcosm, us and our own church family, and our own relationships, and all about us wanting our own way. And then God has, God has his, his view now. And James is going to share that in verse 4. And here's the big lie. And I, I noticed this in myself. The big lie is this, and it's with any, with any addict knows this, 
uh, and most Christians should know, you should know this, that in our hearts, because we want this so badly, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. Eve wanted that apple, whatever. I think, I told you before, I think it was a kumquat. But she wanted that apple, and she had everything around her, but she wanted that so badly, she thought that was going to be the be-all and end-all. The big lie here is that living for your pleasure is going to bring about satisfaction. That deep, that deep heart satisfaction that you really are longing for. All of us are really longing for that deep, loving relationship, the intimate relationship. We're longing for that thing, that thing that can satisfy us and give us joy and peace and love. And, 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 and what God says is that, that that's not going to satisfy you. In fact, that's a lie that will never satisfy you. And what happens? Just like me, I saw just need one of those things. I didn't have one. I had seven of them. And the only reason I stopped at seven is um, some people in my family came home and I hid the box. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but I hide things and I hid that because I didn't want people to know that I had no self-control. But I'm not going to do this, no self-control, except by the Holy Spirit. And so here, don't be looking at me. You guys, come on now. You have your own issues. And here, amen. So here's what the Lord's saying here. So here, um, living a self-gratifying life puts us then on a collision course with God. And that's exactly so. Not only is it horizontal relation problems, but there's vertical relation problems with God. Because the moment we start living like this, the moment we start saying that there's something outside of God that satisfies, that becomes our idol. Whatever it is in our lives that we're doing in our lives, it could be pornography, it could be sex. And notice, by the way, these types, that word for, for passion and pleasure, he um, and you know, there's, there's pleasures that are good, right? Uh, sex is a good thing in its right place. Food, even now Mars, I might dare to say, are good in its right place. But it's the right time, right place, the right way. We've got to say, when you put an inordinate amount of time in those things, that, in effect, becomes your idol. That, in effect, replaces God. And that is exactly why, in the next verse, God says, I have a different version than the ESV. I like this version because it, it, it kind of like hits it. He said, hey, guys, when you do this, when you go after that, let me take these things out. When you go after that and not me, all of a sudden, and you know what? It could have happened subtly. It could have happened over time. After all, when you, when you take that vow in, in a marriage, for example, you say, I'm going to love you till death do us part. But then a year later, I know couples like this, less than a year later, they're in divorce court. When you do that, over time, you can start off great. You start off great and you walk with God. And over time, you might have noticed this, over time, things start to replace that the, the flesh, that struggle we're talking about, starts to replace God Almighty, start, when I remember day on my knees, I had nothing, guys. I had nothing. I had, I had an incurable disease. I was gone. I had nothing to, in my life. And, and, and basically, in, in the gutter, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and Jesus lifted me up. He, he made me a new creature. He gave me a new beginning. He forgave me. I felt so wonderful. And Jesus, thank you for saving me, Lord. But over time, somehow, somehow, that replaced him over time. And that's that constant struggle that we all have to deal with. 
And it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And what God is saying here is, guys, you don't realize this, but you're cheating on me. You're cheating on me. How does it feel to be cheated on, guys? Anybody been cheated on lately? When you're cheated on, you feel sick to your stomach. You feel worthless. You feel the worst you could possibly feel. You feel like about this big, your self-esteem goes into the tank. You know, God has feelings. We have a loving, heavenly daddy, Abba daddy, that loves us so much. And he says, and if all, he says, this, if you want, it's all about wanting your own way that's caused this thing. Because you're flirting with these things, those battle bars, as an example. You're flirting with that. Every chance you get, you're going over to that instead of to here. You know, God, you know, that's the sixth commandment right there. And um, the first commandment, you know, honor the Lord God, love with all your heart, mind, soul. Um, and many of us choose the, our pleasures instead of even coming here on a Sunday morning and worshiping with God. Uh, it's a hard thing. This is Pastor James in a loving heart. Imagine he's pouring his heart out. He's probably in tears right now. Pouring his heart. Guys, look, you're cheating. He's the one that did it all for you. Why are you putting him second, third, fourth place in your life? Why are you choosing these things on a Sunday instead of these things? You know, God says honor the Sabbath. He says to honor the Sabbath. Make it holy. Give him a day. Give him your heart. You know, you, your actions speak louder than your words. It's all about actions, not words. And this is what James is saying. It's not a guilt trip, guys. Understand the attitude that James is writing this. Understand what he's saying about the Lord. He's saying, when you do this, you end up becoming enemies with God. Not that God is your enemy. He loves you. But that you put yourself in a position where God has no other choice but to be in opposition with you. He says, do you, do you suppose God doesn't care? Of course he cares. He loves us. In fact, the scripture says, it's an interesting, it's an Old Testament quote. It says, he's a, the actual, it's a zealous lover, a jealous lover. He's not jealous like you're jealous. Of well, look at that you know, you get jealous over someone else. No, his jealousy is like a, a jealousy out of an earnest love, a fervent love that he wants the best for you. He wants to have you the happiest you can be in him. He knows he's the source of living water. He's the source of everything. And it breaks his heart. And to see the Father's heart, I want you to go to Matthew where Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. He's, he's, he, here's the Son of God, and we're going to have communion shortly. Here's the Son of God who, who he, he's about to be put to death for our sins, for my sins, for your sins, for your sins, for the whole world's sins. And what is he thinking about? He's not thinking about his own self. He's not being self-gratified. He's weeping over his own people, saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you in my arms and to just hold you like a mother holds her chicks and just to hold you close and mm, to love you, you know, that little baby. The little baby that you just want, mm, you just want to love that little baby. That's what God's heart is toward you. That's what he, guys, that's what it's all about. That's why he's, he's yearning for you. He yearns for us. And he knows, and he says, you know, what I offer you is much better than those things. Much better than any of these things. And we see another picture of God in the prodigal son. Where the, the son went far away. And he, he screwed up his life. He, he got into that. He got into that pleasure. The hedonism, he got into all that, and the father was still waiting for his son. I love that picture so much. So so many times I've gone far away from him, and he's always there. He was, if you know the parable, 
It has the father, a picture of Abba Daddy, looking for his son. Looking for his son to come home. He was out screwing around. He was out putting in third, fourth, fifth place. Not even, not even tenth place. But his father kept yearning for him. He yearned for him. That's that jealous lover. He yearned for him to come back. I thought of this because you know, I thought about my own son, Jesse, who, um, thank God, what God did in his life. Right? Amen. About 2011, you know, he, he, you know, 2009, when we first started Oasis, he said, Daddy, and you guys, a lot of you know, but a lot of you don't, he said, Dad, listen, your vision is not my vision. I'm out of here. You're not going to see me. Maybe one or two months a year. Now, if you love your kid, that hurts. All right? I mean, I'm sorry, but that's where I come from. And, and, and I said, son, I'm not going to keep you. I'm going to let you go, just like the prodigal son. But I prayed that he was in a rock band, a heavy metal band, and he, he shared where he was addicted to, to he'll shoot his testimonies online to weed and to all the rest and travel all around. He got, the band did great. He got, got wonderful results and so forth. And I was happy for him, but I, every night I would get down on my knees and pray to God to have mercy on my son. God save him. That's the heart. If I have a heart like that, what do you think your heavenly daddy has? That's what it's all about. It's not like a hammer. Do you grow up believing that God has a hammer over your head? That's not the God we serve. Yes, there's discipline. Yes, there's going to be judgment for those that do not believe Him. We believe in something called eternal hell here. But God doesn't want anyone to go there. He died on a cross for us. Amen. He fled for us. His spirit was pulled out for yes. us. And He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen. Yes. So that's the point. It's never too late. Even that thief on the cross said, Jesus, remember me. And he was a thief his whole life. He deserved to die. And Jesus said, today, 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 I tell you, you'll be with me in paradise. Yes. Yes. It's never too late. It's never too late. I don't care where you are in your life. It's never too late to come to Jesus. But this is exactly the love it isn't. I remember my son when he came back uh, out of nowhere. I'm looking at the time here. He came back. And I'm going to call the band up. He came back and he said, Dad, I'm coming home. <laughs> Crazy, amazing. And, and the funny thing is, is a couple days later, I said, why are you coming home? You have it good now as far as you know, your band is concerned. He said, I don't know. But God knew. God, the Holy Spirit is drawing him. Some of you today, God has drawn here. You don't even know why you're here. You, you don't even understand why you're here, but God has drawn you in here because He wants to reveal His love to you through His power of His Son, Jesus. He wants to reveal His forgiveness to you. He wants you to know that you might have screwed up in your life, but there's no such thing as a, a life that can't be saved. God's in the business. He is in the business. In fact, He only builds upon ruins. You know that, right? He only builds upon ruins. The people who think they're all that, God can't use. God can't forgive. That's what it says here, right here. So, but when Jesse came home the next day, I found him um, on his knees. I opened the door and found him on his knees, praying to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is crazy stuff. He's serving God right now. He and his wife are over at Rutgers. He's in the band right now. They're, they're doing a connect group right after church. He's been serving God now for five years. It's an amazing thing. Um, 
it says here, uh, my, my, my clicker's not working there. You want to turn to the next slide, please? It says here about the humble. You know, here's where it gets into the humble. Um, do you want to turn to the next slide for me? Basically, uh, look at that verse there. But, I love what I see as but. You screwed up your life, but, right? I, you know, I made a mess of this, but, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God. Hallelujah. And he says, therefore, God opposes the proud. That word opposes is like, I want you to picture the, uh, like a, a football lineman going against each other. God opposes you. If you're proud, God is against you. He's opposing you. You know why? Satan was proud. Satan was so gratifying. Satan said, I will ascend to the mountains. I will be like God. I will take God's place. I, I, I. And that's why God hates that. God hates that. Doesn't hate you. He hates that attitude. He opposes the proud. It gives grace to the humble. That means grace is undeserved favor. We don't deserve anything, just like the prodigal son. But because God loves us, because He died for us, I'm taking you in because I, I, I love you. And you come with a humble heart. You come today as to take communion with a humble heart. And here's the cure. I'm going to go quick and just read the scriptures. And so He goes into verse seven. You change the next slide there. No. The next slide, verse 7. Anyway, I got, it, I got it in my head. Three things. Submit yourself to the Lord. That means, here's the cure for our lifestyle. Submit yourself to so That means, Lord, I give in to you. That means, Lord, I just give my whole being to you. I want to do this. I want this, Lord. I want this so badly, but I'm throwing it away. By your power, by your grace, not by my grace, by your grace, I'm throwing it away. I'm going to ask you to take control of my attitude. I'm going to ask you to take control of how I treat people. I'm going to ask you to do this. And then it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then he said, draw near to God. Draw near to God. That means to come close to God. It's a good start. You're cursed today. It means to draw near to God. And he says, we'll draw near to you. So, communion is all about celebrating. And I'm going to call the men forward for communion. Communion is all about celebrating, remembering that Jesus died for our sins. And he wants us to come with an attitude of submission to him. And Lord, without you, I would be out there still. Without you, I would be lost. Without you, I wouldn't be forgiven. Without you, I would be nothing. And remembering his broken body on that cross. Once and for all, he died. But thank God, two days later, he rose again on the third day. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Remembering that and worshiping him. So submitting, resisting the devil, and drawing near to God. I ask you this as we come to this communion. You take one step toward Jesus, and He promises He'll never drive you away. One step, and He will never drive you away. Those who come to Jesus will always make it. Jesus says in John 6, 37, He who comes to me, I will never, ever drive away. So that's, that's what it's all about. So when we come to communion, 
I want you to understand this community is open to everyone. If you claim Jesus as your Savior, you may not even understand everything, but if you claim to God, I want you, Jesus, I want you, Jesus, I'm tired of living that life that James talks about, I want you, then this is open to you. This is between you and God. This is a very holy moment. It's something you want to self-examine your life on. It's a, it's a time where you want to, as you, before you take that, we're going to pass it out to you now. You can start passing it out. We want to uh, take this together. We want you to understand that a holy moment is here, that the presence of Jesus Christ is here right now by the power of Spirit. Now, there's the next slide. I want you to for application this week. Who in your life besides God? If it's God, go to the Lord and ask forgiveness. John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. But he says this, examine your heart and take stock of what, what you, how you're living. And I want you to take a list of people that you're in conflict with right now. Who is in your life right now that you're in conflict with? And I want you to pray for those people. That's the first step. Pray for those people. You might hate those people. Pray for them and ask God to do a miracle in their lives. And ask God to do a miracle in your life. So, why don't we bow our heads and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the band, I thank you for everybody here. And Father, I pray that you would touch that heart today uh, that does not know you. I pray that you would touch that that person today, who Lord, who uh, who's feeling unclean, who, who, who feels that they know, Lord, that there's there's addiction. They know that they're living a self-gratified life, Lord. They know that there's an issue in their lives that is destroying their families, destroying their life, destroying their soul. It's destroying them. Father, I pray for that person right now. And if someone in this room right now that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want you to know that today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can come to it. All you need to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But that means to repent of your sin, to understand where you're going is the wrong way, to say, Father, forgive me, but thank you for sending Jesus, acknowledging that Jesus died for your sins, and believing, and believing that he rose again on the third day, like the scripture said, and confessing him. So if you, if you want to know more about being a Christian, you know, raising your hand is not going to save you. But if you want to find out more about that, come to one of our leaders. Come to me. And we'll go over the gospel in depth and show you what it is. It's just a simple faith. Oh, God, I surrender. I give you my heart. Let's talk about it. And then, Father, we pray for all the rest of the people who, who are in this room, Lord, that this message would somehow draw open and, and Lord, uh, tug on our pride, Lord. Take, take away our pride, Lord. Take away our pride and help us have the power by your Spirit to say I'm sorry. The power by your Spirit to forgive where forgiveness needs to be made. The power by your Spirit to put away the things that are controlling us. Father, I pray your power, your work gives us power. Your Spirit gives us power. 
Thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Second 